Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Why Me? I'm your host, Jake. In this episode, I sat down with my friend Dave to talk about his experience growing up with a mom who struggled with a mental illness and how it impacted him. Listen to this episode if you want to learn how Dave took ownership of his situation, put an end to his family history of abuse, and created a good life for himself as well as his family. Enjoy. So hello and welcome back to my podcast. This is episode number 12 and I'm here with my friend Dave who works at RBC with me, worked at RBC with me, I know why you work there. Um, so yeah, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Dave Ayers. I do work with RBC. I've been in the, I guess, the industry for about seven and a half years, formerly with a telecommunications company and... Uh, Which one? Uh, Rogers Communications. Oh, cool. Yeah. What were you doing for them? Uh, I started off as uh, one of those guys that would put the videos on the shelves, probably uh, right. you know, before your your time. Right. And then I, I slowly worked my way up to becoming the uh, district cable specialist, oh. which was kind of neat because I sold uh, cable packages. Right. I was one of the only people qualified to do that, so I made right. a big jump in uh, job title. Right. In a short period of time, I won a whole bunch of sales awards and everything like that, but. Um, then after 10 years of that, going to becoming a regional trainer and uh, sales specialist, going to stores that weren't doing so good and mm-hmm. retraining all their staff, wow. um, it got to the point where it was just, it, it wasn't moving fast enough for what I, right. what I needed. And uh, being a, a husband and a, a dad of young kids, I had to do something different for my right. career. So yeah, I moved to RBC and so far it's good and hopefully it's getting better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've talked a couple of times about your, your childhood and, yeah. and growing up, but could you talk a little bit more about it and, and you know, the circumstances under which you were brought up, if sure. you're comfortable um, talking about it? Absolutely. No, the, the background would be that uh, my mother was a, um, she was born into a family with a father who had mental issues himself, Okay. Uh, a mother who, um, she developed her own issues, she became a, an alcoholic. And my mother was the youngest of, I think, five siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, as a result of everything that she went through, her, her dad was in the, the army. And, and, and did they live in Toronto? Yes. Right, 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 right. So at the east end of Scarborough. Right. Really. And the, the shared experience between her and her, her siblings and her parents uh, was enough that I think she kind of regressed as a person. And I, I personally believe that she didn't grow past uh, the maturity level of, say, 12 to 16 years of age. Mm. Um, so her upbringing kind of shaped who she was, and I don't think she could ever get over that. Um, through the numerous times that she was into a, a psychiatric ward of a hospital, um, she just never proactively seeked help. So I don't think that she felt she was sick. Right. And I, it, um, it was more... I guess you could say challenging as a child to grow up with a person who wasn't um, wasn't guided in her own upbringing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she and there's no guidebook to being a parent, right? You just nope. do the best you can. And I, I yeah. truly believe that she was doing the best she could, but she didn't know how to be, uh, you know, your uh, your leave it to Beaver family, I guess right. you could say. Right. Um, but she, I know that she did do her best, uh, but. It, it, it wasn't the same as, you know, 
the, the friends I would hang out with, you know, if I went to their house for uh, hanging out and watching a movie or, or lunch or something like that, you could see the vast differences between their home and my home. Right. Right. And again, I, I know my mom made uh, every effort she could, but mm-hmm. she just she was only able to be a parent in the capacity that she knew how to be a parent. Right. Um, and that was essentially the upbringing that I had. Right. Uh, she was 16 when she had me. Wow. Yeah, so she was really young. She was very immature. And um, unfortunately, the my, my dad that I only met when I was 30 mm-hmm. um, was a, a crazy drug addict. And right. they had this, like, crazy love affair that was, you know, right. out of a movie. And, it, you know, it was really interesting in their world. But everybody right. else on the outside is like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Right? Come on. <laughs> um, so shortly after I was born, my dad apparently tried to visit me in the hospital with my mom. Intervened and said, "If you try to be part of his life, we're going to beat you up." Wow! Right, and I think that was probably a really—I think it was a good move. Really? Um, and yeah. I mean, if you can imagine this, every year your birthday, every year Christmas, you wonder, is there going to be a Christmas card or birthday card that magically shows up from this this parent that you've uh, built in your head that yeah. you know, this is the guy that's you know my dad. Maybe he's a good guy. Maybe he's right. not. But I'm hoping, right? Yeah. Um, but you, being a, a mother who is um, unhealthy or, or not firmly based in reality, you, you don't share those those thoughts and theories with that person because it's just not something that's comfortable to that mm-hmm. whole situation. Right. And, um, I would say that the toughest part about the whole upbringing is um, learning how to be, you almost have to, it's like an obstacle course, like mm-hmm. mentally, just mm-hmm. to try to be in the same family as a person that's not healthy just to try to navigate life that way mm-hmm. so if you're 12 years old living with somebody like that looking back now there's about hundreds of things that I really wish I you know, maybe called some authorities on and said right. take me to a family while my mom gets help right but at you know 10 12 13 years old no, you don't think of that right so it was um it was a really challenging experience right yeah and it's uh, it's shaped who I am um, both in positive and negative ways but I would say that the, the most difficult part about that is again you see people that were uh, brought up by normal I can't say normal but healthier people mm-hmm. and you kind of you don't know how to relate with those type of people right right you know they were they were instilled a, a sense of self or who they are as a person or core being and when you have to navigate other people through your entire life, you don't have a sense of who. Right. And that's probably the most difficult thing is to right. trying to relate to people. Right? right. So, I mean, I can be friendly with just about anybody. But, yeah. Um, having something to relate to people with is, is often a challenge. And so, you know, when you were a kid, it was mm-hmm. basically you and your mom at home. Yeah. And I mean, there was a steady stream of step parents. So, right. I mean, it, right. Yeah. Which was uh, also not fun. I mean, uh, uh, I was telling my wife last week and we were away and this is the first time she's ever heard of it is that uh, you know my mom would be uh, paranoid that her any one of her boyfriends were cheating on her which right. most of the time they did right. um, you know a Tuesday night in grade 7 and she'd say we're going to go and camp out front of this girl's house and wait to see if uh, wow. you know, this person's leaving at such and such time wow. I'm thinking I gotta go to school in the morning right like right. You gotta go to work. I gotta just. We right. can't be doing this. Right. And you know, I'm, I learned how to be comfortable falling asleep in the backseat of the car. And mm-hmm. it's that was the reality of it, right? Um, 
just it was never easy and uh, there, there's no sense of family because it was just myself and my mom so yeah it was, it was difficult and did she was she ever diagnosed or or um, no I think the only time we actually went and got uh, counseling was um, after an incident we had at home which forced the two of us to go and actually uh, see a family counselor right. and even in that situation I felt that unless I was dishonest with the counselor, um, my mom would uh, either harm herself or harm my, harm me. So right. it was um, again, it was it was uh, that obstacle course of wow. navigating life, more or less, right? Right. Uh, just trying to find the quickest way out of bad situations all the right. time. And so you know, you touched a little bit upon how that had impacted you in in you know positive and negative ways. Mm-hmm. What what were some of those? ways would you say uh, well positively um, let's uh, a tad perspective I guess uh, I, I kind of understand how that I have further limits than most people in, in certain things right. like for instance um, uh, as a result of a, an argument I got into with uh, one of my, my stepdads um, I was kicked out of my home for a while right. so I spent two months being homeless wow. and in the winter time homeless sucks when you're like 18 and you were 18. Yeah, uh, 18, 19. And it was just, it was not a good situation, but I know that if there was ever a bad situation that I had to be, I had to sleep somewhere, I'm good. Right. Whereas most people may not have, uh, be able to do that type of thing. Right. right? So a lot of things that uh, most people can't cross boundaries to, to get through a situation, mm-hmm. I know I can. Right. Yeah. So. And does that expand to what you're, you know, we've talked a lot about your ideas, too. Does that expand your, your thinking in terms of what's possible and what isn't, too, do you find? Uh, and, and I guess that's where it, it's it's tough to relate to people right. because, you know, uh, some people say, oh, there's no way that's possible. And you kind right. of think for a second or two, wait a second, what if it was, right? Let's uh, let's try to imagine... What if it had to be, right? That's it, right? Or what if there's a, a solution that would make a big difference for a lot right. of people? How do you engineer backwards from that to create a solution? Right. Um, I, I do that constantly. Right, um, and it, it's it's kind of a neat thing, but it it's it's a very um, lonely thing too, because not everybody sees things that way. Right. So it's 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 um, again it's it's probably a, a product of the upbringing, like uh, maybe it's part of the defense mechanism where mm-hmm. you're constantly thinking about how to make a situation better. Right. So. And and you know some of the negative things you said was just not being able to relate to a normal family. Did you say or, or I mean, just just say normal family like a. The same conversation I was having with my, my wife because we were in front of uh, my, my stepson and he has never been able to relate to me and I, you know there's his dad's in the picture still and, and right. it's it's a really interesting situation right uh, not in a great way right. <laughs> but uh, he's a good kid it's just he um, he he doesn't see me as the person that's been in his life since he was four and has right. provided for him, right? Right. So giving that perspective to both my wife and him, I think they get a new perspective of who I am. And that said, my wife said, you know, there, there's times where you make comments where you think they're funny and everybody else in the room is like, what the hell is this guy talking right. about, right? So again, you have to, it's, it's like you're feeling out the room every time you say something. Right. And it's, it's a... It's a very uncomfortable thing to go through all the time, but right. after a while, it becomes part of your nature, and right. um, it, it's it's kind of it's difficult to explain, but it's right. uh, it's definitely a um, a lonely feeling. Right. So, yeah. 
And are you still in contact with your mom? Is she still... I haven't spoken to my mom in probably eight years. Um, The the background of that is she, for many years, she was sick and, um, I'm sorry, I can't say sick. She she wasn't diagnosed with anything and I don't think she wanted to be diagnosed. Um, And that's my opinion. I can't say anything on her behalf. She's not going to defend herself. But the... She opened up a store. I, I don't know how she had the, the, the capital to do so, but she right. opened up like a convenience store and right. how she rented out. Yeah. Um, and it was doing well. So she got inventory from places. You know, she had a, a Coke cooler in there. And oh. um, she was being, um, what's the word? Uh, responsible. She was mm-hmm. maturing. Uh, she was maintaining inventory. She was, uh, you know, a, a deli counter business was coming in. Oh. She was doing good. She was happy. Mm-hmm. And it was steady. Um, she just didn't have a solid internet connection in place. And she was trying to sell things on um, eBay as well. Mm-hmm. And th- things that she'd pick up at garage sales. And she was doing well with that too. Uh, so I went out and I got her a internet data stick from Rogers. So I did it on like a two-year contract. And I put it under my name because I was working there at the time. And I said, you know what, I will do this for you under my name so long as you pay the bill. So she paid the bill for about three months. Uh, and then one day I showed up and she said, by the way, I had money, so I had the choice of either buying inventory or buying a motorcycle. I bought a motorcycle. <laughs> I looked at my mom and I said, I'm glad you still have some sort of inventory because right. that was a poor decision, right? And, you know, me being an, a, an adult and her being an adult, I thought we were having a, a two-adult conversation. Right. Um, and that was one of those instances where she made a bad choice like a 16-year-old. Right. Uh, anyways, after that, she decided to stop paying the bill. Um, and I couldn't exactly cover it all the time on, on my salary because right. I wasn't making much. Right. And after a while, uh, she stopped taking my phone calls. Because every time I'd talk to her for a few minutes, and I'd say, hey, by the way, did you pay that bill yet? You know, I guess she was tired of hearing it. Right. Um, so she stopped answering my phone calls. And after about two months of that, me going to collections, um, I finally got a hold of her one day. And she said something like, you know, I'm not paying that bill. That belongs to you. And that's you know, BS, whatever. And, you know, I, I, don't, I shouldn't have to. I don't even remember how the conversation mm-hmm. went. But at the end of it, it was, uh, I, I more or less said, you know, you've never been healthy. I've spent my entire life trying to get away from the abuse in that situation. I've never felt like uh, I was comfortable growing up with you and mm-hmm. very abusive, all that jazz. And then I said, unless you're planning on going and getting mental help, I don't want you to be part of my family. You want to come see your grandchildren? No problem. Go get help. Talk with me about it and you can come back. And that was just over eight years ago. Yeah. So she made her choice. Uh, and then actually my wife found out about it and reached out to my mom on Facebook and said, look, I know you and your son had a, a, a disagreement, an argument, and things probably were said that shouldn't have been said, but if you do want to see your grandkids, let me know, I'll come to you hmm. in a neutral place, maybe we'll go to Tim Hortons, I'll buy you a tea. We don't have to talk about anything, we could if you want to, but you get to see your grandkids. And then uh, my mom probably unfriended her on Facebook. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's uh, just scratching the surface of the, the maturity level and, and health um, state that she was in. It just puts a lot of things, you know, for me into perspective, too. I mean, you never know what other people are going through. Yeah. And 
you know, when I first when I first met you, I I don't know what I expected, but I didn't you know, I didn't know that, you know, this was the backstory and this is what you were doing and, and, and all these things. So I don't know, it's just interesting. Actually, I think the most surprising thing that people get taken back by is the fact that I was homeless for a while. Yeah. Like, sleeping behind dumpsters and yeah. food and stuff like that. That's That was a reality of my life for a while, right? But, that, but you say also that your mom you know, didn't instill in you your sense of self and, and you know, what's important and your values, but you, you come across as a very, you know, kind, responsible, thank you. good, just an all-around good person. So, you. you know, well, you're welcome. But, you know, so what... <laughs> It, you know, how does that, in that environment, does, you just, you've learned and over the years and... Uh, you, you know, I got a, a great story for that. And I'll, I'll try to make it quick because my stories tend to go on. Doesn't need to be quick. Um, so my best friend used to be a bartender. Okay. And uh, one time he was working at a bar in, in Ajax and uh, some guy comes in and he's all disheveled and he's got a terrible attitude and he's cussing a bit and my buddy walks over to him and my friend also came from a... Not necessarily a, a, a whole home mm-hmm. growing up, but not broken per se. Anyways, uh, he's talked to the guy like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Like, what can I get you type of thing? So the guy orders a drink and my, my buddy gives it to him. And, you know, bartenders are the, the paid therapists. Yeah, the exactly. Guy, they <laughs> sling you alcohol and make yeah. you talk more. So this guy goes on and on about how this is wrong in his life, blah, 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 right? And he just lays out this story about how he's a victim and things have gone wrong and, you know, it's all everybody else's fault. And he said, you know what? My best friend, and he laid out, you know, a little bit of the story, parents, mental health, he's been homeless, and now he's got a wife, he's got a a career, he's got a couple cars in the driveway, he's got a couple kids, and he didn't make a single excuse about how he got there. And he said, you're making a shit ton of excuses, Mm. and you don't have a right to. Um, I, I think that I could have blamed my upbringing and said, you know, I'm gonna do stupid things because my parents were not nice to me because right. there was abuse or and, you know, uh, bad situations that mm-hmm. I went through. But realistically, I just had a, uh, I always had a deep-seated fear of doing things wrong. So it's, uh, I never broke into people's houses because, you know, if I ever got caught and I had to go to jail, people would start questioning my mom, she might hurt herself. Right. Um, or, you know, I would never be allowed back home or I'd be taken away from my home or right, any right. of a whole bunch of different scenarios. It just didn't seem like it was a good idea. Right. So, um, and I, I grew up in a building that had just a lot of bad stuff happening mm-hmm. and I just chose not to be a part of all that stuff. So I would say it's, um, my upbringing shaped me in a manner that I decided what to do and what not to do and tried to stay as far away from negative activity so what do you think differentiates you know that guy in the bar who's blaming other people and and your upbringing you know how can how can we change our our mindset and perspective to be more like what you were saying i would imagine that it's the people i kept around me uh so i i would like to consider myself a good judge of character so i think that i think you are thank you very much um Whenever you meet people, right, they say things that are off-putting. It's kind of like they're they're feeling up the water. You, mm-hmm. know, you jump into a pool, you can either jump right in or you, you yeah. float in at first, and you go in slowly and slowly, yeah. slowly right? Um, when it comes to people, I've, I've my defense mechanism means that I read people pretty quickly, and generally, I'm, I'm not proven wrong. The occasional time I am, I will let people know your initial, you know, um, 
comment about this threw me off and you change it out change it around by saying such and such and right. you know, that might put some people off or make them think something different of you just want to let you know otherwise you're a cool guy right. or girl right, right. Um, but knowing my friends my friends would call me out if I did something stupid and but they would also forgive me if I made a mistake right, right. so it's a good thing to have I know that there's a, a lot of friends that I've had that made really dumb choices mm-hmm. and they're no longer in my life. Right. So I think that's that was where my, um, what's it called, my moral compass came from. Right. So just making good choices and having the right people around you. Yeah, exactly. And, well, and there's a, there's the debate about um, nature versus nurture too, which I find oh, so absolutely. interesting because, absolutely. you know, a lot of us think that we're our own person, but we are such a product of our environment and our genetics. So I think it's amazing that you've, you know, been able to do what you've done and all that stuff. And it, uh, it, it certainly gives you a little bit more. I, uh, put it this way. I'm, I'm glad that it was me that went through the stuff that I went through rather than other people. Right. Because uh, coming out the other side of this so far, and, I'm, and you know, every day is a challenge regardless. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that I know I have the strength to have gotten through what I've gotten. Right. You can get through anything. Well, you would assume so, right? Like, yeah. You know, I'm, I, every day I'm still testing myself to see if you know there, if there's something I just can't do, and if right. there is, then hey, that's my limit. I know it now. Um, but so far, I haven't come across anything that right. I just can't surpass or or whatever, right? Right. Um, no, it, it's the the silly things like I'll I can go out drinking until four thirty in the morning get up at six in the morning and go do a like a Spartan race. Right. And that to me is that's a possibility. Right. I've done it before. Right. But um, when it comes to things like uh, what differentiates me from other people as well mm-hmm. is I look at some folks that have had a good upbringing, they've gone to good schools and now they're getting jobs that are, you know, that I'm jealous of. Right. Um, I I was very much delayed in that uh, right. maturity process right. there. So I, I'm not at the same level as I'd like to be, and I think it's because, uh, you know, I might be 38, but kind of inside of I'm still like 29 or 33. Right. So it, it's fair. Yeah, it kind of, it, it slows you down and right. messes your perspectives up. Right. Um, and then I, you know, there's also the idea that a lot of mental illness is passed on from, mm-hmm. you know, our... our genetics and Absolutely. whatever and, and my my grandfather suffered my aunt you know so it's in my family so did that was that ever a concern or a worry for you I mean do you think that it was passed along I mean uh, I I have to say I think I'm, I'm always fearful of that right um, the, the, the one biggest fear I have is that, uh, and, and I've grown up thinking that, you know, the cycle of abuse stops with me. Right. Uh, meanwhile, there's there's days I have that maybe I didn't get enough sleep and I didn't mm-hmm. eat breakfast properly. Mm-hmm. My kids are, you know, extra crazy because yeah. they stayed up too late last yeah. night. And I get more grumpy with them. Right. Maybe I start yelling at them because, you know, one of them breaks a window by accident. Right. You know, right. it's an accident. I get yeah. kids are kids, but... You know, sometimes they push you a little bit further some days than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to keep it in perspective that I come from a background where somebody was unhealthy because of their environment. Uh, maybe it was genetic, I don't know, but uh, I, I try to keep it in perspective as much as possible. Right. Uh, I've gotten my son tested for um, to, just for behavioral issues that right. I had. And uh, actually, his teachers couldn't believe that he was uh, you know, 
a brat to, right. to my wife and I. Right. Because uh, he's a saint with everybody else right. except for us. <laughs> That's a typical child I know, it's a, response. Know, That's we, funny. We delivered the questionnaire to the teacher and, like, you know, we need you to fill this out. And just, why? <laughs> he's such an angel. And, like, well, you see him only a few hours a day, right? Um, but it, it's it's a, an everyday worry that if there was something there that's genetic and it's passed to me, that I wouldn't notice it until um, a rock bottom situation right. or an extenuating circumstance. And if that was the case, then I would also have to go and seek help because right. it's not healthy for my family if I'm sick. Right. Uh, and through that as well, I don't want my, my kids to be sick. Right. So it's, it's an everyday worry. But I think it's good... You know that you're aware that if you ever get into that situation, then you know you need to reach out for help, because you know a lot of people don't have that connection necessarily. Yeah, I, and I th- I think that was the the case with my mom, and I think one of the toughest moments where I knew it for sure and she didn't was um, I had to hold my mom down one time, a submission move, just so that um, she wouldn't harm herself yeah. between when we called nine one one to when the ambulance showed up mm-hmm. and that was probably the most crushing like seven minutes of my life um, and then you know I wanted to make sure she was being handled properly or, or gently and I went to the back of the ambulance and she was just losing it you know screaming top of her lungs I don't have a son anymore I hate everything I want to die and I'm like oh my gosh it's crazy wow. how uh, old were you when that happened well, I was 21 yeah so but she, I, I knew at that point that she needed more help than she knew she needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know from her headspace if she recognized it. But I mean, she went obviously to a psychiatric ward, and yeah. they didn't. Did they not? <laughs> oh man, no. Uh, my mom deserves an Oscar. I guarantee it. Uh, for years, uh, I'd be hanging out with my buddies, and they'd say, "You know, your your mom is really awesome. She's so nice." And you know, just joking around, how did you, why did you turn out the way you did, right? And like, right. guys, you you might think she's really nice. They didn't know. Oh, because uh, in front of people, she's a totally different person than right. It's just her and I, right? Um, I mean, she smoked weed. I don't know how many times a day for as long as I've known her. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure she's dabbled in other things, but. Um, you know, my buddies would drop me off at home at the end of the day, so I wouldn't have to walk like eight kilometers home. Yeah. And she'd be waiting at the door, be like, "Oh, hold on a second, guys!" And she'd go in the house and she'd grab like a Ziploc bag and put like weed in it and hand right. it to my friends. And my friends are like, "Man, your mom's the best!" I'm like, "No, you're not seeing it. You just yeah. you don't see it, right?" Yeah. Um, but occasionally there'd be an instance where something would like slip, and she would just not. Um, she wouldn't be as defensive or on guard as normal and everybody would be like oh okay I get it right um, it actually took me probably the better part of a year or two before my wife saw it really and when my wife finally saw it, it was because uh, somebody that my mom had been visiting in the hospital a lot uh, passed away and mm-hmm. my mom kind of like just decom- or, uh, shut down yeah she wasn't her normal self in front right. of her right. right she was her actual self and it, it really showed my wife who she was and right the conversation we had on the way home that night, she's like, I thought you were lying the entire time. Right. I'm like, now you know. Right. Okay, so, it's, uh, people get to hiding it real good because they're afraid of, uh, and I can't generalize for everybody, mm-hmm. but for my mom especially, it was, she was probably more afraid of people thinking there was something wrong with her right. than acknowledging that maybe she could use some help right. and seeking it out. 
But even when she went to the psychiatric ward, she they just let her go. Yeah, seventy-two hours, right? Uh, right. So she'd gone, oh, and right. I don't know how it worked out. I've, I mean, I've visited my mom in the mental hospital. Right. The, my where we used to live in East York was uh, my my school was two blocks north of the hospital. Right. So I'd be at school, and then after school, I'd go and visit my mom right. in the psych ward. Like, mm-hmm. how many students got sick yeah. there, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'd show up and she'd say, oh, I feel so much better, and right. I recognize what happened, and so on and so forth. I'm thinking, you got this one again. You, you, you got through this one. Okay. Right. right. So. Wow. Yeah. So finally, I mean, I just would, would we talked about it a little bit, but how has it changed the way that, you know, you parent your kids, and, and what are you looking out for, and, and, you know, along with your wife, do you have certain things that you think you do differently, and... That kind of stuff. Uh, I, I would venture to say that uh, again, as I've said before, there's no book on parenting. Yeah, you, know, you have to kind of take every situation as it was. Um, I, I read something yesterday that said something along the lines of, you know, you're going to be a kid, mm-hmm. going to be elderly at some point. Um, you're going to be up. You're going to be down. And either way, you're you're going to be one of those four things in life. So you got to treat your kids as if you know you're you're. Being kind and tender to all four of those situations, and then I I, I went home and uh, you know I took my kids to the park and everything that they asked me I had a bit more patience with right. them with. I'm like you know what buddy, this is what happens. This is why the sky is blue, and let's work patiently on how to tie your shoes. And my kids right. are like daddy, why are you so nice today? <laughs> I'm like well, it's like I'm not that much of a jerk all the other times. So you guys just don't listen, right? Um, it, I am. Um, it's a it's a similar thing, right? So if if I'm not familiar with how regular people or ordinary people act versus somebody like myself uh, this similar situation goes with parenting right? like mm-hmm. I've been around a lot of parents that are just really awesome parents and I look at them like I'm not doing so, so much different from them right. but you know I'm not in their house all the time right. um, so all I can do is see issues that my kids are doing and try to explain to them why it might be wrong and why making better choices is going to help them in the future and uh, sometimes at 10 years old or 6 years old, they don't want to lecture about it. I bet. I bet. <laughs> They're like, just tell me yes or no and move on, right? Uh, I, I learned from my wife every day. She's such an amazing human being that, um, you know, how to be a better person and how to be a better parent, how to be mm-hmm. more mindful of what the kids mm-hmm. are going through and um, how to be more firm and strict with them. And uh, it's every day. Like, I'll be... I'll do something with my kids and say, no, you can't do that. And my wife will say, you know, you didn't even hear him out. But you just told me to be more firm with them, right? So What do you want from me? Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, again, there's no guidebook on how yeah. to be a parent or how to be a normal person because everybody's different. Um, it, the only thing I can do is try to be the best version of me that I can be mm-hmm. every day. And even that, some days are, are easier than others. Mm-hmm. So... I, I don't know if that answered that. No, it did. And, and I mean, what do you do on the days where you... You know, because, I mean, it, it must be hard because when you're not in a good mood or I can imagine, you know, from your mom's perspective when yeah. she's feeling that way, just to just to be dealing with that at the same time. Oh, it's man. it's uh, it, a perfect example is this morning. Uh, so my wife woke up at, I don't even know what time she woke up, but she couldn't go back to sleep. Um, and she started browsing Facebook in bed beside right. me on her phone. And I'm thinking, you, you got to be kidding me, right? So she woke me up. It's 4.41 in the morning. Right. My alarm is supposed to go off in just over an hour, and I'm looking at her like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You're browsing Facebook. And she's like, I just can't go to sleep. 
Her body is so contorted out of her bed to reach her wall charger on her phone that I'm like, no wonder you can't get back to sleep, right? Come on. So I go downstairs and I can't go back to sleep. Yeah. And you know, 7.30 rolls around, my 10-year-old comes downstairs and the first thing he wants to do is throw on Netflix. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm trying to get my six-year-old you know, awake, dressed, cereal, getting ready to go to hockey camp. Yeah. And uh, my 10-year-old pipes up and says, by the way, Daddy, I think I'm off my grounding today. I'm positive I told him Wednesday. Today's Tuesday. And I looked at him like, nobody. We discussed Wednesday. And he almost started crying. Oh, no. And that's when something flipped in me. And I'm thinking, my 10-year-old is crying over a video game. Like, that's not... So I, I sternly told him that right. you know, I, I agreed on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, this deals are in the minutiae at this point. I said, I, I don't want to be the parent of somebody who's going to cry over access to a video game. Yeah. And I, being tired and grumpy, I just kind of, I would say I laced into him, but I said, if you, you know, you're going to cry over this type of thing, I'm taking the video game systems out of this house until school starts. Right. We're done. I don't want to have a child that Case wants closed. over video game. So, yeah. you know, if you want to whine over reading, no problem. Pick up a book. <laughs> get, get after it, right? Um, go outside, play, do normal yeah. things, right? If it's going to be a terrible day, and of course it turned out to be a terrible right. day. <laughs> like, don't ask for video games before one in the afternoon. Right. Don't do this. And if it's a rainy day, you can watch movies and play it. Of course, it's a terrible day outside. <laughs> it's bad. Bad I, so I'm on the train, I'm like, God, God damn, damn it. it. <laughs> so, um, it's, it's hard to be in the middle of being frustrated about yeah. a situation and peel back and say, you know what, daddy's wrong. Here's why I'm upset. Let's right. work towards something. And I find myself doing that more and more lately. If I'm frustrated about something, it's taking a step back and saying, I'm upset. I know I'm upset. Before. I apologize for maybe making you feel upset or uncomfortable, but here's what I'm upset about. What, where can we meet in the middle? That's amazing, though, that you're aware of that. It's, it's hard. Oh, I, oh, I, yeah. It sounds hard. Because I feel like I'm a, a terrible human being if I'm yelling at my kid over right. the fact that he won't clean his room. Yeah. Like, you know, 70% of most kids would be like, no, nah, I'm not going to clean my room. I'm yeah. going to play with my friends. Right. Whatever, right? So it, it's, a, it's a constant um, attempt to be self-aware. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult. It really is. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, the the well, I said the last thing already, but but I was just <laughs> I was thinking about because you know everyone's talking a lot about you know the impact of residential schools on okay. indigenous youth and the intergenerational trauma, and you know the impacts of you know maybe your parents didn't go to residential school, but you know as you said maybe your grandparents did, and the impact of that was they weren't taught how to how to parent and they weren't taught these values and they weren't taught. You know, it's a lot of these things. Uh, it's, Absolutely, it's, it's these cycles of you know, uh, mom or dad weren't raised in certain ways. The children learn those core uh, mm-hmm. beliefs, and then they pass them off to their kids. Yeah. But all growing up, I'm sure they're all saying, "I'm not going to be like that." And right. Sure enough, you know, it, it happens, right? So it's it's a matter of I'm assuming, and I'm no medical professional or my you know psychologist by any means, but. Uh, in order to break that type of a cycle, you have to understand what's right versus what's wrong, mm-hmm. what's normal to society, and make strives, sorry, make efforts to be better than that cycle. Right. And then, you know, don't look back. That's it. You can reflect on it, don't look back. Awesome. Um, was there anything else you'd like to say? That was a pretty good ending. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Oh my this. gosh. And it's it's such a, a gift to have met you. Uh, you're such a dynamic person. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been really interesting hearing your story with it as well. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your time. I'm going to shake your hand now. Thank you. <laughs> no one can see that, though. Exactly. <laughs>